0: Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of The London Circle. Today we're going to be talking about the Uyghurs and about the case being brought in front of the ICC for crimes committed by the Chinese regime. I'll be talking with Rodney Dixon, who's a legal counsel for various Uyghur groups at the ICC. Enjoy. The main problem as I see it is that the very reputation and standing of international institutions is at risk because many voices and i have to include myself also that sometimes i get sort of tired of hearing about crimes being committed about massacres probably even being committed sometimes genocide cultural physical whatever it may be um, without any kind of accountability and um, the understanding is that international institutions starting from the very top, from the United Nations, going all the way down to the various agencies and rapporteurs and the sergeant, um, are there in order to safeguard against um, the the committing of these, these heinous crimes. But if they were somehow committed, that the perpetrators would be taken to task. So we have the case of the Uyghurs. And the case of the Uyghurs has been ongoing now for, for a while, for a long, long while, for decades probably, some would argue. Maybe to, our, to to the public attention, maybe 10, 12, 13, 14 years. I have to admit that by 2005, I hadn't even heard of the Uyghurs. I didn't really know about. But then once the information came and the floodgates of, of communication about what they were going through and enduring, at the hands of the Chinese regime, all of a sudden you start to realize that what's going on is absolutely horrible um you've you've been dealing with this particular case now for a number of years uh, Rodney. Tell us first about
1: what the case is i mean what are we talking about here Our case uh, at the iCC so that's the International Criminal Court uh, in The hague um, is focused on just a part of this mass violation uh it's focused on only a part in order to get jurisdiction for for the court. Um, China hasn't signed up to the ICC, so we can't focus on what is happening in China only. What we're focusing on is what's happening in states that are signed up, uh, in particular, Tajikistan, which is an ICC member state on the border of China, where we have evidence that Chinese operatives have come onto that territory and taken Uyghurs from there, deported them or disappeared them into China where they are arrested, detained, n- never never heard from again. Uh, and that gives the court jurisdiction because part of the act takes place on ICC territory, Tajikistan, uh, and continues into China. Uh, and we are saying what happens then in China is part of that, same crime, and therefore it gives the court jurisdiction uh, over those acts. So we are using this jurisdictional basis uh, as a way of seeking accountability for what Chinese officials are doing to the Uyghur population outside of China, but as well once they are taken in. Uh, it is a precedent based on the Myanmar case, where the ICC has opened uh, an investigation, so that, that is a, a positive step. I understand the, is, is the Bur- frustration.
0: Is, is, is Burma um, a signatory
1: to the ICC? Uh, no, so, so, so Myanmar is not. Okay, uh, so how uh, si- did this happen? Uh, Bangladesh is signed up, and persons were deported from Myanmar into Bangladesh. One of the elements of the offense, you know, where they were taken, takes place on ICC territory. So the judges found the court has jurisdiction. So there is a clear precedent for this. Where part of the crime takes place on ICC territory, the court can act. And they have. I understand the frustration uh, that you mentioned earlier. The positive side, though, is that the court in that case has opened an investigation and hopefully is looking to issue arrest warrants soon uh, in relation to those deportations and mass crime. So we are using that to say the same should happen in Tajikistan and China uh, or any other countries where persons are taken from if they are signed up. So tell me, I mean, um, will
0: the investigation opened by the ICC? Will that focus on the mere abduction of people or kidnap of people from Tajikistan into China? Or will that uh, maybe open up the investigation into all Criminalities committed by the by the Chinese regime.
1: It'll certainly focus on what happens on ICC territory, but the court can also investigate wider crimes in order to show a pattern of activity. Uh, even if they don't have jurisdiction to prosecute all of those acts, they can use that evidence to prove that there is a crime against humanity going on, there is a genocide. So the contextual elements can be used even if the court doesn't have jurisdiction. So it's a way of of opening up the court into a much wider ambit of both factual and legal analysis.
0: When, when you, I mean, you're a man of law, so you know that the terms are really important. And you just mentioned the word genocide as if, you know, genocide is proven to have been committed. From your standpoint, and here I'm not taking you to task as a solicitor or a counsel, as uh, as someone who uh, has now come to understand the extent and expanse of the crimes committed against the Uyghur people, is do you think the use of the word genocide is it justified?
1: The evidence all shows that there is a genocide unfolding as as we speak. It's been something that's been going on for some time, and it's continuing. Uh, That's not based on a a general rhetorical use of the word. It's it's based on the evidence that has been made available. Uh, And that's why a number of parliaments around the world have said there there is a genocide uh, unfolding. What we are doing on behalf of our clients is asking the court to investigate that evidence uh, so that it can be thoroughly looked at and it can be established on the evidence. The only way to determine whether the crime has been committed is, is through that judicial process. And that's why it's so important that the court conducts this investigation and determines it. And that those who are accused of these crimes have an opportunity to, to respond. Uh, China has denied all of these allegations as they are entitled to do. They're entitled to have a fair hearing and the other side must be heard, but then they must participate in the process. They mustn't boycott it. They must be prepared to involve themselves in the inquiry and the litigation. If they say there's no evidence and they, they're innocent, then they should come forward and allow that to be tested. Because as things stand, all the evidence shows that their intention is to, over time, slowly eradicate the the Uyghur group uh, in East Turkestan. But why is that? I mean, let's, let's delve a little bit into politics. Uh, which is
0: not entirely un, unrelated. I mean, uh, why, why do they want to eliminate the Uyghurs? Is it because there are some separatist voices within the Uyghurs? Is it because of the Islamic faith? Is it because of the sort of tribal elements of the Uyghurs and the genealogy of them? I mean, w- what is it exactly? When you say genocide, it, it, it gives the impression that this is a homogenous uh, group of people that are being systematically eradicated by the state one way or another.
1: Uh, what, what is that? I mean, who are we talking about here when we talk about the Uyghurs? Yeah, the definition of, of genocide that comes from the convention um, only allows the crime to be established if there are particular factors that are the target. So if the, the nationality of the group targeted or their ethnic identity or their religious identity. Um, but it doesn't allow for political purposes to, to, to be the reason behind the genocide. It can still be a crime against Humanity, uh, or cultural reasons, as as well, are, are not permitted. Um, that that doesn't mean that there might not be very serious crimes, nevertheless, <clears throat> going on. Um, but but because of the particular national, ethnic, and religious identity of the Uyghur group, uh, over many many years, which has been defined and which is now used widely uh, by the group itself and by china and and the world in in general that establishes a basis to prove that if you're seeking to destroy them a genocide is being uh, committed so the evidence all shows that it's it's because of who they are that they're being targeted other groupings are not being targeted in the same way Uh, and there's been if if you look at the the documentation, the pronouncements that have been made, a concerted effort to single them out as enemies of China. Either they are to be absorbed into Chinese society, is is really what the evidence shows, the documents, the speeches, or if they want to stand for their separate identity, their separate religion, uh, then there's no place for them. And the only alternative is that they have to, be removed, um, so that that would be the case that would be put forward uh, if it was to be tried as it should at at the ICC or, or another international court. When uh, I mean uh, the
0: uh, the catalogue of of charges against China in, in respect to the Uyghurs is uh, reads like a horror list. Uh, I mean the the term concentration camps comes often. The forced marriages of the Uyghurs with Chinese, Um, the uh, displacement of children, the taking away of children and Giving them to foster parents or adopted parents who are from a different uh, faith, a different culture within within China, and and you know as as well as um, people being disappeared and uh, not being found and not not being heard of, imprisonment and, and, and the like,
1: sterilizations of sterilization Uyghur of, women,
0: women. of Uyghur women and the like. I mean, it's 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 really really horrific. The problem that that I find. Uh, I mean, particularly in the, in, in the investigation at the ICC that's, uh, that you're overseeing, is what are the possibilities? I mean, here we're talking about China. We're talking about, you know, probably the second largest populated country in the entire world. We're talking about one of the, if not the biggest trader with the entire world, uh, you know, Banan. We're talking about a country of incredible um, interests across the globe um we're talking about a formidable party here so how realistic is it i mean listen even the, the charges themselves that are uh delivered to the chinese regime uh, are indicative of its own power of its own you know its own strength its own size its own expanse its own ability to carry out, out these alleged crimes so how realistic are we when, when, when you go to the ICC, for instance, and you raise these issues and you file for these charges? In all honesty, how realistic is it that China will be found guilty and hence suffer the consequences from, from the legal standpoint?
1: Yes, we have the, the highest uh, mountain to climb. You're you, you absolutely right to identify that. Um, but we can draw strength from the fact that uh, over a number of years, the ICC has begun to flex its muscles. Uh, It was initially accused of only focusing on African countries. It's now expanded its ambit way beyond Africa. It has an active investigation in Israel, Palestine now, uh, other investigations in South America. And uh, very significantly, um, which I don't think anyone thought possible a few years ago, uh, it has charged a, a sitting head of state of a permanent member of the Security Council, Vladimir Putin of Russia. Uh, that was an investigation that took only a year, so, so not that long, to complete, uh, and those charges have been brought. Is uh, it fair
0: to say that it was because there was immense political cloud behind that
1: particular case? Yes, there was a lot of support. A number of states referred that case to to the ICC. But that shows that if the same kind of support can be built from other states, then we could end up in the same situation for, for China. I think the precedent of Russia shows that there is hope because even a permanent member of the Security Council can be taken to task. Yes, many have said, well, you know, what about other countries for wars in Afghanistan and Iraq? Uh, and those are serious questions to ask, but we've got to focus on what we have at the moment in, in the bag, which is that Russia is under the spotlight uh, and their head of state is unable to travel uh, around the world. So using the same techniques, we, we could end up where we are with Russia in the situation of China as well. The evidence is there, the jurisdiction is there. We need the will and support to land it. Just coming back a little bit, because there's a technical issue that I want to, want to
0: clarify. Um, the case against Putin, um, as head of state, does does that mean that his immunity, as head of sto- state, does, does that mean that it
1: becomes irrelevant? Yes, the ICC case law has found that heads of state, even of countries that are not signed up, lose their immunity before the ICC. Um, They may not do so uh, in national jurisdictions, so at a horizontal level, but vertically, in relation to the ICC, that immunity has been stripped. So that is a matter that has been litigated at the ICC, it could well be litigated elsewhere at the International Court of Justice. But once again, I, I stress my point. If, if Russia takes that view, they, they should be raising it. Uh, if, if they think it's right as a matter of law, they shouldn't boycott international institutions. They should participate and put forward their view. It's interesting. I mean, you cite the case of, uh, of President Putin
0: um, as, um as, as something that could be referred to to see how you know how s- expediency uh, can be achieved at uh, at the ICC. Um, but you know, watching the w- world leaders and listening to their narratives and the such, you'd assume that there is sort of a comparable um, uh, level of volume against China. I mean, you have American presidents past as well as present. You have various uh, heads of states in Europe. You have condemning China for its human rights abuse. I mean, the case of the Uyghurs is one of the cases that has actually been cited by world leaders, which, you know, you can't say, for instance, um, in the case of Palestine or the case of many, many cases uh, across the Middle East. So why isn't there a similar level of expedience, let's say, because of, you know, despite the fact that there is such
1: political clout behind the case? Yes, there has been a lot of condemnation of what is happening, but it hasn't translated into action of investigating the crimes. Um, We've seen investigations set up in so many other contexts, like uh, in Syria, like in Yemen, Myanmar, then Russia now, but nothing at the international level to investigate these crimes. Uh, it's partly because we've seen China be very effective in pushing back, so it requires states to to double down. But it also requires states to use the jurisdictions that they have, um, like like the Tajikistan one, to pursue it. Yes, it's not a clear cut prosecution where you have jurisdiction like in in Ukraine over the whole territory. You have only a slice of the pizza, as they say, but that's enough to to act effectively. So it's a question of states understanding what I think the real legal options are and then looking to turn their condemnation into saying, well, we have to at least investigate because that sends out a signal that this won't be tolerated. Uh, it, It can act as some kind of deterrent as well, but most importantly, it will show victims that there is hope because I, I do think from other cases, other jurisdictions, we've seen developments that should give hope, but it needs to be translated into a reality now. In the case of China, right
0: now, or in the case of the Uyghurs uh, uh, and the charges brought against China. Um, Are there specific individuals within the Chinese regime that you are targeting as
1: uh, culprits in in the crime being investigated, or is it the regime as a whole? No, we have in our complaint to the ICC identified a number of persons from the top level all the way down who, based on the evidence, have been directly involved or commanding what uh, is occurring and identified them as particular suspects uh, who should be Investigated. Uh, the ICC is, of course, free to look at its own list, but, but we have identified those persons based on, on the evidence. Uh, and it should be emphasized that this is not state responsibility at the ICC. We're not holding China as a state and all its people responsible. It's individual criminal responsibility for those particular persons that are designing and implementing this policy that is targeting. Do leaders. you think that through
0: that investigation, if, if it's successful somehow? the regime will be held responsible for the litany of crimes that it says it is alleged to have, uh, including opening concentration camps, including, you know, disappearing people, including killings, including all these these policies that the regime has been uh, carrying on?
1: Yes, you know, through looking at the deportation avenue, we are able to open up then what has happened in China and expose that. And those persons who have been perpetrating that on behalf of the state can be investigated and held responsible based on the evidence. So you're then taking it to the level of the state as well. These crimes, as was said in Nuremberg, are ones committed by people, then they're not committed by states. It's only people who can follow through on the policy so you want to target those persons who are individually doing it you're not looking at targeting an entire group or, or nation it, it's about where you bear responsibility based on what your intentions were and what what acts you performed it's uh, i mean in in regards with the uh, uh, filing for,
0: for for cases in in courts whether they be magistrates or high courts or whether it be on the icc um, there are two problems that people like myself, a layman, when it comes to law, um, uh, confront, and they're they're quite uh, significant obstacles. The first is the obstacle of time—that uh, something that uh, you have suffered, uh, you continue to suffer, can only be addressed with a, within a pas- passage of time, which sometimes deems it almost irrelevant, with the victims probably dying or the the perpetrators, the, the those who are charged, dying or the such. So justice. Not being delivered in in the way that one 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 wishes, and the other is cost i mean to bring to file a case today is you know requires uh, amounts of money that most people would only dream of of, of having and attaining um and i'm'm I'm, I'm, you know i i can't even start to imagine uh, the cost that you are incurring in in your efforts the travels the meetings the you know the sitting with judges and the such um so how you know how true is justice with those two impediments in mind
1: yes at the international level the wheels of justice do move slowly we've seen that in many situations. However, as I mentioned earlier, we have seen it suddenly speed up, Uh, for example, in the case of Russia. uh, Libya as well with Gaddafi, within a few months uh, after the case was referred, there were charges brought. So once again, we have examples of how it can move and we need to latch onto those and use them to ensure that it happens in all situations on, on a more equal footing. It can't just be some situations where it occurs and and not not others. Um, but also we need to you know establish over time and it will take time a, a culture that what we expect in our national jurisdictions should apply internationally as well. If somebody is is murdered here in London, we expect the police to act and we will hold them to account um, if if that doesn't happen. The same level of accountability doesn't exist at the international level yet. It's still a new system. It has to mature But we need to transport our our national values to the international level and say the same must apply there. It has happened in some situations, and we now need to to really extend it as much as possible. The issue of cost, likewise, the ICC had a, a, a number of complaints about its budget. But it's suddenly got a lot of donations in relation to the Ukraine situation. The ICC has officially said that that money is not only going to Ukraine, but it'll go to all of the situations. So let's encourage states to put more funds in, use those funds across the board, not just for Ukraine, uh, but also for countries like Tajikistan and China. Uh, often it's said we just don't have the resources to do it. We'll ask states for, for further resources then I mean it, it's shown in Russia that they can come up with the, the goods in terms of funds and personnel. Uh, you know, you talk about traveling, having meetings, interviewing witnesses. They can donate police officers, specialists in these areas. Get a team for Russia, yes, but get a team equally for China.
0: Yeah. From,
1: again, another technical issue. The case that you are bringing
0: to this, uh, the ICC. Um, who's who's instructed you? Are they individuals? Are they organisations? Who are they?
1: We have been instructed by the East Turkestan government in exile. Uh, that is a a Uyghur exiled government group based obviously outside of uh, East Turkestan, uh, who has offices around the world based primarily in, in DC, together with a number of Uyghur NGOs uh, and, and Uyghur victims as well, uh, who've instructed us of collectively to, to look at bringing this case to the ICC. And they have provided us with evidence and information uh, but also put us in contact with others who can provide that Uh, and we've been able to get onto the ground in tajikistan with our own investigators and other neighboring countries as well including uh, Kyrgyzstan, uh, kazakhstan uh, uzbekistan uh, a number of other countries where there are persons who can provide relevant evidence Uh, they've been able to gather Uh, money themselves, through donations, through crowdfunding to to cover those costs. But it's been vital to have persons on the ground who we can actually send out and do the investigations and get the evidence to, to, to give to the ICC. We've also managed to get one or two people out of those countries one who's in the us which was quite widely publicized uh, and through him have been able to get valuable evidence to to the icc and you're right that that does take a lot of time and resources but so far we, we've been able to manage that but of course you know always asking for assistance and support wherever possible to to keep it going eyewitness testaments statements where do you get those from uh, we we've got them from persons who were in those countries uh, they are confidential, sensitive witnesses or persons who've managed to get out. As I mentioned, the person in the US, uh, a number of groupings in places like Turkey as well, uh, other countries where we've been able to then interview them uh, who have given us primary eyewitness evidence, firsthand evidence, and put us in contact with other witnesses. So we've built up quite a large body of first-hand evidence now, but it's so important that that is investigated quickly, because as you mentioned, over time, it becomes harder to find evidence to prove it. The best evidence is always closer to the events rather than later. I have
0: to say that uh, I was once, from a distant uh, distance, I was involved in trying to collect uh, evidence from victims of uh, sectarian violence in Iraq, for instance. And I have to say that uh, probably the most difficult part of that was conv- convincing victims or families of victims to come forward and to submit their evidence because they say well we don't want to be targeted we don't want to be and uh, once we somehow over overcame that particular hurdle it was uh, we we faced the officials who are going to document uh, and sign off those, those official complaints because they said, listen, we, we don't want to get involved because then we'll be targeted as a result.
1: So there's you know an
0: immense amount of hurdles and obstacles before a case comes to fruition.
1: Uh, absolutely. You put your finger on it. Very often persons don't want to come forward because they are afraid, but they also think, well, what is the point of this? Will, will anything come of this in the end? Uh, they see how long it takes at the international level. Many of the failed... Cases. So you have to ensure that they have protection, that they will be kept confidential uh, as far as is possible, uh, and then also ensure that you realistically show the road that could be traveled. Um, Because you don't want to give false hopes. Exactly. And at the same time, you want them to have sufficient hope to come forward. Precisely. And and know that this is going to make a difference. Uh, And just the fact that the evidence is recorded and is on record at the ICC does in and of itself make a difference. uh, Because everyone knows this is going on. Even if the Chinese authorities think, oh maybe nothing will come of this, in the back of their minds, they're still thinking the evidence is being gathered. It is being used in various places around the world, courts, parliaments, and it is beginning to grow. Uh, and without that lifeline of, of, of the real evidence, it's impossible to advance this. So it all depends on those facts. Uh, otherwise, it's too easy to dispute it uh, or to push it back. So you, you have to have... The evidence that that is the engine of this all and just the fact that that's going on i always try and sh- sh- say to people that this this will make a huge difference to the possibilities of something happening in the future but also signal back to the authorities who are perpetrating these crimes that they're not getting away with it it's not just disappearing it's being recorded it will be used it might take some time but like we saw with the ICTY, the Yugoslav tribunal in Bosnia, yes, it took 15, 20 years. But in the end, Karadzic and Modaric were put on trial for the genocide at, at Srebrenica and they were found guilty. It took an extraordinarily long period of time for those families, but they had their day in court in the end.
0: You mentioned earlier that China wasn't uh, a signature to the to the ICC and therefore there was no ICC jurisdiction in China, but it was because of that that, that particular operation where um, Uyghurs were abducted from Tajikistan into China, that you managed to, to get that kind of jurisdiction. Um, this leads me to a question about what is the motivation of states to actually sign up to the ICC?
1: Well, they should do it in order to observe their international obligations and international law and international humanitarian law uh, in times of armed conflict and human rights law in times of 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 peace. So the, the motivation should be that this would, allow the obligations to be fulfilled. And secondly, there's the principle of complementarity, which is that states are responsible for implementing their laws uh, and the ICC will not intervene unless they fail to do so. If they are inactive, then the ICC will intervene to take over. So they should be motivated to do it because they would be able to investigate and prosecute these crimes themselves. Uh, the disincentive is is that many states, as we see with the Chinese authorities, are actually perpetrating these crimes. So they, they don't want to join because they know that's going to shine the light uh, on them and they, they're hiding behind their borders.
0: I recall that um, uh, around when, 10 years ago, probably now, when uh um, I was also involved in a campaign, I believe, Rodney, you were privy to this, uh, regarding Egypt and regarding Rabaa, the massacre in Rabaa. And also, the, you know, the, uh, back then, the, the issue was that Egypt wasn't a signature to the ICC. And therefore, we, you know, there was several things talked, uh, talked about, uh, about that. Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned the uh, investigation into Yugoslavia, or former Yugoslavia. Uh, which is is well known as the bosnia serbia croatia croatia case um i mean it's am i right in saying that it's probably the shining light for the cases that were investigated by the icc or is there something else that could you know, give even better evidence to the eff- efficacy and and, and, and and fruits that could be born from this particular line.
1: Yes, the, the ICTY is certainly a, a beacon, as is the Rwanda tribunal as well, where that genocide was successfully investigated and prosecuted. And there's still some prosecutions uh, going on and also universal jurisdiction uh, being used. Uh, I would also highlight the special court for Sierra Leone as well. Charles Taylor was eventually arrested trying to flee. Uh, he, he, he was put on trial and, and was convicted. He's, he's serving his sentence now uh, in, in in the UK. Um, and there are a number of other cases from that court as well. Uh, one one of his wives was also pursued here in London on, on torture charges under universal jurisdiction. Uh, so there, there are many examples of, of where justice is actually being implemented. We've seen in Germany cases being taken up in relation to Syria, persons who had gone there and thought they, 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 they they'd got away with it. So the net is slowly expanding and closing as well. On persons, it's a much more interconnected world now. You can't travel around without people knowing where you are, and there are laws that can be used under national jurisdictions. It was the same when the governor of the, the province in East Turkestan came here, or was going to come here to to London. You know, we looked to file universal jurisdiction complaints, and in the end, he he, he didn't come. Um, so so we we must draw on all of these examples. There is a greater awareness now, and a greater support, and people are saying, you know, just. In the same way as they say, look, you can't get away with murder in a national jurisdiction, increasingly they're saying we don't want people who've committed these kinds of crimes, even if it's only alleged, to come to our country and you know be able to go around as though everything is normal.
0: How much uh, credence should we give to uh, claims or complaints that often these cases are politically motivated and driven rather than about human rights and restoration of law and order and the such. I mean, for instance, um, those who argue against the case brought uh, for the Uyghurs would argue that this is an American-driven, in order to belittle, in order to demean, in order to batter China a little bit in, in terms of its reputation, its international standing, and maybe affect some of its economic ventures and the such. So. Essentially, this is a politically motivated, politically driven case. Um, How much credence should we give to to, to such uh, concerns, let's just say?
1: Well, zero, because this case is being brought on the basis of the evidence of Actual victims. Uh, I mean, unless they're all part of some massive conspiracy to make it up, which is not the case. You know, we've we've interviewed them. many many organisations have interviewed victims. Uh, this is based on the facts of what people have experienced. And if it had to happen to to any of us, what we'd want is justice. You know, irrespective of the wider politics, which is of course going on. But but those persons who are most directly affected. They're the ones who want justice. And it's to them that we should turn. I mean, ask them whether they think this is politically motivated. And if they say it is, well, then we know that it is. But they they're saying exactly the opposite. It's not. It's driven by their desire for justice. And if if those who are accused, like Chinese officials believe it's all political. Well, they, they, they can challenge that as well, as I've said before, in the proceedings. They don't have to boycott it. They, they can show how this is all fabricated, if if they've got any evidence of that. Um, the evidence firmly shows the opposite. But, of course, they're entitled to participate in the process. They should come forward instead of trashing the institution. They should come forward and give, give their side of the story, if they have one. And just to be clear, I mean, we've now
0: yourself and, and me and many many others have been uh, b- quite uh, deeply involved with the uh, the campaign for the rights of the Uyghurs uh, for a number of years now mm-hmm. and um it must be said that the that you know we we meet with uh, the relatives of victims with people with people who were victims themselves and managed to to flee um, and with friends and um, uh, and peers of, uh, of of victims who are currently suffering under the the, the the Chinese regime, and the stories we 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 continue to hear are heartbreaking. I mean, uh, we're talking about people um, being unable to to see their relatives, to call their relatives uh, for years on end. We're talking about people who were deprived from attending the funerals of their loved ones, their parents and the such. We're talking about uh, people who lost their siblings to forced disappearance and um, and basically have no idea where they've been for the, for the past six seven eight years. Sometimes um, we're talking about people who wrote po- poems and are ultimately paid with their lives. Um, the the stories about the concentration camps, about the separation of children from their parents, about the sterilization of women, the the fact that thousands have been married off uh, despite the you know the against their the, their will. <clears throat> to Chinese men and women in order to sort of kill off, gradually kill off their their culture and the such. I mean, all all these stories and m- much, much more um, are absolutely heartbreaking. And yes, we can talk about the, uh, the very rigidness and the straight angles of law and procedure and all of that. But ultimately speaking, we're talking about crimes of a heinous kind being committed and perpetrated against people. Against innocent people whose only fault is the fact that they have a particular faith, they subscribe to a particular culture, and they come from a particular land.
1: Yes, it's absolutely heartbreaking when you go through the personal tragedies uh, that people have had to endure, and they continue to have to suffer today. Uh, and you know that's why, as I've, I've emphasized, the facts show that that these things are actually going on and they 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 can't be ignored and um left to deal with down the line they uh, they 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 have to be addressed now uh i mean i was i was struck i, I just last week watched for the first time uh, all quiet on the western front the the movie about the first world war uh and it won all these Oscars and everyone saying, gosh, how, how could we let that happen? But it, I was thinking to myself, if we had to make a movie about what is happening in East Turkestan now, it would, it would look very much like that. And we don't want to have to wait 100 years for such a movie to come out for then our children to say, well, why didn't we do something about it? You know, We, we need to live in the real world now and know that often the horrors we've seen from the past haven't gone away. they They're taking place right now. And the only way that they can be ended is if enough of us stand up and say, stop it, you you have to to be held to account. Um, There's no magic solution to it. It's not like one filing at the ICC is gonna make the difference. What what will make the difference is enough outspoken support for justice. Uh, And we've seen when that happens, as has occurred in, in some examples that I've given, it does make a huge difference and it needs to happen more consistently across the board, particularly where uh, an entire grouping, the Uyghur grouping, is at risk uh, as, as, as they are today.
0: Um, a couple of months ago, probably more than that, um, re- correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there was a vote. Uh, in the uh, at the United Nations, uh, I think it was the Security Council. Not sure um, where member states, member states of the United Nations General Assembly, where they voted in regards with uh, the case of the Uyghur. And um, what uh, emerged quite uh, quite clearly was the fact that most Muslim countries uh, voted against the motion to bring charges against uh, or to, to condemn China. Um, what does that tell you? I mean, does that have any relevance to your case, for instance? And what does that tell you in the whole scheme of things?
1: Yes, uh, uh, the 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 vote uh, at the UN Human Rights Council on looking at debating the 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 report that had come out from the UN, which had found that there were crimes against humanity being committed, which I think was a significant report, Uh, and they were looking at debating it further and what action could be taken, and and that debate in and of itself was was blocked by a range of of different countries. I mean, I, I was quite shocked that Ukraine was one of them, for for, for example. Um, and it shows the reach that China potentially has. I don't know the ins and outs of the diplomatic world, but it shows the reach that they have to get enough support to, to stop that, including Muslim countries. Uh, and I, I think that's exactly what I was trying to emphasize with my earlier point, is that unless... All countries realize how serious this is, and they are be on a precipice here, uh, and they're going to stand united, ir- irrespective. And we're not therefore saying on behalf of our clients, on behalf of victims, you know, you can't have relations with China. Of course, you must, trade must go on, but at the same time, you, you can't allow this level of suffering of humanity uh, as though it, it, it's, it simply is behind a shut door. So that's, I think, has to be the rallying cry now that uh, there needs to be a serious recognition of how bad it is uh, and steps taken. If you were to
0: have the, the world audience at your behest right now, what is it that you think that ordinary people, just like myself and most of our listeners, what, what do you think that they can do? Or could do in this particular case, but maybe, you know, other cases that they're also concerned with, um, you know, like you put it, like Syria, for instance, or Libya or Yemen or or the such. Um, What can ordinary people do when when it comes to the workings of an uh, an international institution such as the ICC? amid a case such as the ones that we're talking about today, the Uyghurs?
1: I think we have to recognize that uh, our governments are key in in, in getting change. Uh, and we've seen that with Ukraine as a prime example. Um, I think an, a number of sectors of society called on our governments to act, uh, so ordinary people across the board, organisations, business as well, um, you know, a, a wide variety of groupings calling on on the government to act, and and that was then put into practice, um, and, and and rightly so. I, I'm using Ukraine as an example, not to say it shouldn't have happened. I want to make that absolutely clear. It 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 was exactly the right thing to happen at the right time, but I'm looking more at how how it came about. To see if we can replicate that in other situations, so it's going to take the, the same level of raising of awareness uh, and commitment. You know, we, we saw Eurovision recently and how that was rightly used to highlight the situation. Well, the, the same should happen for for other situations. Not that it's a, a competition, but we should try and ensure that we don't only look in a narrow way, but look as broadly as possible to protect humanity. Um, so I I, th- I think that that's what people can do. They, they need to use all their channels to get governments. Our, our governments are the ones that can make a difference at at the international level. Uh, I think on the business side as well, there, there are many opportunities where businesses who are dealing with those who may be involved um, can... Assess those relations. Use them as a way, within reason. Of course, we're not saying you know you want to bankrupt uh, our, our economy, but 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 you want to find ways in which you're saying we're we're not going to tolerate um, living off uh, the crimes. proceeds of crimes committed. Yes, precisely Cr- crimes <laughs> committed by by the, the Chinese authorities. Um, so you know, a greater ethical awareness in our business and trade relations is critical uh, as well. And then of course, you know, from my point of view on, on the legal side, you know, supporting the, the, the need for legal cases to be brought, legal action. If people come here, our police sh- should act, but, but, but so should the ICC where, where there is jurisdiction you know, for, for people to, to be making that call. Uh, you know, More and more people are saying when there are crimes committed, They must be brought to The Hague. It's now, I think, a a common slogan. They must go to The Hague, they must be tried there, and they should be saying that for China as well. This is not saying that it applies to the whole country, to to all people, but those people who, who are perpetrating this should be investigated. Out of the uh, the countries
0: around the world, what's the percentage of those signed up to the ICC?
1: There are now over 120 signed up, uh, so there they, they are about 70. Yes, already. it's it's a, a, a majority, uh, and and it's increasing all the time. Uh, so there's a broad consensus that if there are international crimes committed, if the state is doing nothing about it, and and they're not in China, then the ICC should intervene. Because um, I, I recall there being a charge against the ICC that they only pursue African
0: leaders, particularly African leaders, and uh, that they allow others to go. I think, I mean, that, that particular claim was, was brought uh, partly because of uh, ignorance, and I include myself, by the way, of the, the dealings and the technicalities that, that uh, are involved in the case of the ICC. Uh, but also because most of the cases that, 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 that actually reach fruition, were in in the case of African, you know, Rwanda and uh, Senegal and, uh, and the such.
1: Yes, that was one of the initial criticisms that was made of the ICC because all the cases came from from Africa. But we've overcome that now. As I stressed earlier, there are many other situations uh, that are being taken up, including Palestine, Israel, as as I highlighted at the beginning, and, and you know Russia now, Georgia. So so we we're in a, a new space now, and it's ripe to then focus on countries like China, just because they're a member of the Security Council hasn't stopped Russia being looked at, that that should never be a reason not to look at the country anyway. The issue is is jurisdiction. Uh, We say, based on our case, it's it's there. Uh, And then having the time and resources to put into it. I know the ICC can't cover the entire world and, and and everyone but I think there's a strong case to be made for China because of the seriousness of the allegations of genocide uh, there's no case from that part of the world uh, and also you know when, when you look at the the gravity of the, the allegations and the horrors that we were talking about earlier uh it, it is exactly why the ICC was set up to deal with crimes at that level uh, and to hold those at the highest level who are most responsible accountable for their actions
0: the, the i mean something that I, i'm not entirely sure whether you are or not so involved with but um uh, this doesn't negate the possibility of um, of calling for you, you know the universal jurisdiction to be brought against certain individuals within the region does it
1: no i mean no, for instance n- here in the at uk
0: i mean groups can bring bring that against certain individuals can can, it not? Yes, can they not Yes, uh, they
1: and that was done when the main governor of the of the area in east turkistan where all of these camps are and, and other atrocities are being committed that 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 that, that was done when he was planning uh to come to the uk he he didn't in the end but that can be done here and, and in other jurisdictions and it doesn't stop the icc uh investigating the case of course if it's being tried in a national jurisdiction then the icc will let that case go ahead there but they can then, look at others right uh, so it's meant to work in tandem the national and the international working together just that i mean this this particular line it uh, sort of delivers
0: um a notice it puts China and the Chinese regime and those individuals um, charged with committing these crimes on notice. It, it says, listen, you know, we have your name, we have your picture, and you're not going to be allowed to come and either shop in Harrods or come and walk the streets of London or such. It, it's, it's in a way, uh, delivers um, some form of
1: justice yes. um, fairly quickly, does it not? Yes. Uh, it's a form of 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 justice light. It's not the full of course. The full justice that is is required, but but you're using what you have available to send a message, to deter, and to provide hope for those who 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 are suffering. And all of these various avenues must be used and explored. Because also that's how the system matures, as I was mentioning earlier. And that's how people become more used to the fact that you can't get away with it. And it's not a question of politically targeting one country or the other. You know, no one's going after China or after any particular country. You're looking at it based on the evidence. That, that that's what the rule of law was established to do. As as happens in our national jurisdictions, it doesn't matter where you're from, which class you're in, you will be prosecuted if you've committed a crime here. And the same should happen at the international level. This is not about you know trying in any way to belittle one country or or, or another. It's it's about using the evidence to prosecute those who are responsible and preventing these kinds of actions from reoccurring. And ultimately speaking if if
0: we don't use these avenues I mean what what alternative do we have in order to to, to get justice. It's uh, I mean and and this is where you know I think we started our discussion is that whilst people might tire from you know the time it takes or the costs it incurs or the such but it, to be perfectly honest w- you know this is what we have and we have to use and, and to you know to maybe further the, the the reach of these organizations so that basically we can have uh, you know justice to to an extent i mean one of the problems i would suggest also is that uh, people say well okay fine so this is a a, a cause that needs to be uh, filed and and the such but what about you know there are others so you know again it's something that needs to be addressed but but the main thing here is that international institutions, and in the case of the ICC particularly, they need to basically be supported. And these causes need need to be seen as... You know, these are the avenues that we have in order to
1: realize justice. Yes, and we would have chaos in our national jurisdictions if we didn't have the police and the courts. And it's the same at the international I mean, I'm level. I'm thinking
0: today: what 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 other things do the Uyghurs have in order to to get their rights or to restore justice? To, to they have own no coast? courts in
1: China they can turn to. That's the whole point of the ICC. It's a it's a safety net for for victims to go to Uh where the national system is completely inactive or is complicit in the very commission of the crimes Uh, and that's why the icc has such an important role to play and the un as well Um, they should not be blocking the mere debate uh, of of what steps should be taken Uh, they should be looking at having those discussions and looking to investigate i mean the un has set up fact-finding missions and commissions of inquiry in in almost every situation that has been referred to except China. So they, they should be really grasping it now and, and taking that step uh, alongside what the ICC can do. Um, the UN report was a good start, but it has to be built on now. And it can't be sidetracked because everyone's focusing on certain other cases. I'm not saying we shouldn't be focusing on them. We must, but we've, we've got to slot China in now as an urgent and an imminent focus.
0: You mentioned the United Nations. That's uh, that's a topic that needs uh, to be discussed, but maybe uh, at another time. Thank you very much, Rod. Indeed, we'll
1: we'll we'll get onto that. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. That was great.